It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Hi, this is Eric Ludi. We just finished up our 14 weeks of training here on the campus, and it was just an amazing season. And if you missed the Daily Thunder episodes throughout that time, oh, they were rich. It was really powerful. Nathan did a series called Soul Drift, 27 episodes, and it was extremely powerful. And I did a series called Spiritual Lessons from World War I. So if you missed those, you definitely want to catch up. Uh, so ellerslie.com forward slash daily, and you can dig up the, that great material and, and go through it. Meanwhile, we're rebuilding our studio. So it's going through a remodeling process. We're excited to debut it, and we're close, but uh, we need a little more time. So we have another throwback series that we're going to give to you, and I hope you really enjoy it. It's called Hill to Die On. I pray it richly encourages your soul. Well, welcome back. Uh, we're going to hop into part three of this series as we just sort of bask in the preeminence, the majesty of Jesus. And uh, the title to this one is Preserving the Godness of Jesus. It's critical that he is understood biblically who he is. In other words, you can have all sorts of novel thoughts where you're like trying to be generous and say, well, he doesn't have to be God. Are you sure about that? He's conceived of by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. His father is in fact God Almighty, even biologically if you want to look at it that way. He is God come to this earth. Everything about the prophecies is going to make that clear. His goings forth are from of old and everlasting. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth before Abraham was he was. I mean, what is that? How do you even explain that? Well, that's just the tip of the iceberg, too. The entire Bible is going to enunciate something. That is that God has come to this earth. He has come and given up his life so that we could live. And then he rose again on the third day and ascended to the right hand of the Father, and all things are beneath his feet. So preserving the godness of Jesus. First things first. Preserving the godness of Jesus hinges on preserving the godness of the Bible. You see, this battle for Jesus actually starts with preserving that record that reveals the Son, and that is the Word of God in text. And so when you see the Word of God in text being attacked, it's critical to recognize that this is actually not just an attack on text. This is an attack on the purpose of that text, which is to reveal the Son, but not just to reveal the fact that this one guy existed and lived. It's to reveal that God himself, had, because he loved the world so much gave himself. You see, this is the critical message of the Bible, and it centers around the godness of Jesus. And so we preserve the godness of the Bible, and as a result, that preserves the integrity of the godness of Jesus. The godness of the Bible. So let's start there. The Bible is, in fact, God's Word. Now, this isn't what I'm teaching on. If you can go back a few weeks in this Daily Thunder process, and you're noticing on, on Mondays I'm going to be dealing with, in the first three weeks of the year, I was dealing with, actually, it's the first, second, and fourth week of the year, I was dealing with, in a sense, the godness of the Bible. So if that's a subject that you'd like to dig into a little more, those are some uh, great messages for you to go after. Now, I'm going to, in this message, sort of start with that as a premise point, since I've built that out in those messages. But the Bible is, in fact, God's Word. That's what the Bible itself says. So the godness of Jesus Christ, the, if the Bible is, in fact, God's Word, then 
Jesus is, in fact, God's Word made flesh. Why? Because the Bible says He is God's Word made flesh. So if the Bible is true, then what it says is also true, and that would make the statement that Jesus Christ is God's Word made flesh. John 1, 1 through 4, and then 14 through 15, and then verse 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and cried, saying, This was He of whom I spake. He that comes after me is preferred before me, for He was before me. Now, John the Baptist was born before Jesus, but John himself is going to say that Jesus was before him. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. So this is going to lead to what we're going to call the flow of logic in Scripture. Now, it's interesting because the, the word for word is logos. It's the basis of our word for logic. So in the beginning was the logic? In a strange sense, it's like that. And so logic works on this syllogism idea of if this is true, then this would also be true. So if then. So logos, or we would pronounce it in the English typically as logos, but it's a word a speech or reason, a ground, a plea, an opinion, or an expectation. One of my favorite ways of describing the logos is imagine that I have a thought inside of my head, and I said, what's my thought? It would be really tough for you to answer that because it's invisible. That's right. And so what I'm going to do is I am going to clothe my invisible thought in something. It's a carrying device that takes my thought and wraps it up and then throws it out into the air and it passes through this atmosphere and in through your ear canal into your mind and you're able to unpack it and actually read my mind. That carrying device is known as a word. And so I can take with a word something invisible and package it up and give it to you so that you can actually tell me what is in my mind. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's just remarkable and that's how words work. They transfer that which is invisible, thought, ideas, and actually transfer them to someone who can't see them but can now understand them via a word. Jesus is the word of God. God is invisible. No man has seen him at any time, but Jesus is going to reveal him. He is going to take that which is invisible and clothe it so that we, when we encounter Jesus, are able to understand that which is unseen, that which is invisible. This other realm that we cannot see, understand, comprehend has been revealed to us in and through the Word of God in text and in and through the Word of God in person, Jesus Christ. So here's some uh, ways of understanding that idea. It's more than a human word, it's a divine word. So this Word of God is not just human, it's divine. It's more than human speech, it's God's revelation. It's more than earthly reason, it's the logical syllogism of the Creator. It's more than a ground, it's a rock foundation. It's more than a plea. It's a divine command. It's more than an opinion. It's heavenly reality. It's more than an expectation. It's a solid hope. It's more than a Greek word. It's very God of very God. Logic. So this is the word that we derive out of this uh, word for logos or logos. And that's reason as if the logos is both true and divine. So if you reason that the logos or the word of God in text and the word of God in person is both true and it's from God, that's what divine would mean, God, God made, God derived, then you have, you have logic, you have heavenly logic. 
So logos, the if-then logic of heaven. So let's walk through the way John, the apostle, is going to start out this, uh, this gospel account, which is very purposely written. It's written long after the other gospel accounts are written. And it seems to have a direct purpose, and that's to prove the divinity or the godness of Jesus. So if the Bible is in fact God's word, then Jesus is in fact God's word made flesh. If the Bible is in fact God's word, then what God's word says about God's word made flesh, Jesus Christ, in John chapter 1 is true. If what God's word says about God's word made flesh, Jesus Christ, in John chapter 1 is true, then Jesus is not just a man born 2,000 years ago, but in fact he is from before creation. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. John 1.1 1, 1 also says, the same was in the beginning with God. John 1.15 says, John the Baptist stated, for he, Jesus, was before me. If what God's Word says about God's Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, in John chapter 1 is true, then Jesus is, in fact, God. In John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, the Word of God, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If what God's Word says about God's Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, in John chapter 1 is true, then Jesus is, in fact, the creator of the heavens and the earth. John 1, 2 says, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. If what God's Word says about God's Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, in John chapter 1 is true, then Jesus is, in fact, the revelation of the Father. We know the Father by beholding Jesus Christ. In John 1.18, it says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him, which also means revealed Him, made Him known. So the Apostle John presents the logic of heaven. Jesus is preexistent. Jesus is God. Jesus is Creator. Jesus is the full revelation of the Father. Therefore, he is fit to be the lamb that was slain to take away the sin of the world. This is just good old-fashioned heavenly logic. This is how a Christian thinks. This is how a Christian reasons. And when the devil gets in and tries to mess with these things, it actually undermines the integrity of the Christian life because the Christian life hinges upon these realities. John 1, 29 through 30 and verse 34. The next day John saw Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So this is exactly flowing out of John's reasoning in and through the book of John in chapter 1. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Oh, I love that. The preeminence of Jesus Christ. We need to preserve the godness of Jesus. It's essential to the unfolding and living out of our Christianity. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellersley.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.